Praise the Lord. Amen. So good to be here tonight with you all. So good to see everyone. Amen. Let's all stand. Although I'm glad to see all of you, I'm glad Jesus is here. Amen. I believe that's the reason ultimately that we're all here, is to seek the Lord. Amen. To be found of Him. Praise God. Let's call out in His name tonight. This is His service, as usual. I want to continue to acknowledge that. Uh, We are His people. This is His service. We're in His presence. Amen. That His will would be done in this place this evening. Lord Jesus, You're an awesome God. Thank You so very much for this opportunity You've given each of us this evening to enter into Your presence, to be known of You, to seek Your face, to be found of You in this place tonight. Help us to hear Your voice tonight clearly. Let it be a clear sound in our, in our lives this evening. Help us to hear the Word of the Lord. Help us to receive God's Word. To be doers and not hearers only. Deceiving our own selves. That Your Word would not go forth void, but it would accomplish that which You please and prosper in the thing whereto You send it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Your Word is anointed. It is powerful. Of that there is no doubt. I pray, Lord Jesus, that You'd anoint Your servant, anoint the ears listening. Help us to receive it. Help us to do it. Lord Jesus, give revelation in this place tonight. Give healing in this place tonight. Let Your name be glorified in this place. These things we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise God. God bless you. Thank you for standing. You can be seated tonight. Amen. As most of you know, uh, this Sunday we had a baptism. We baptized Austin. Amen. Uh, I say that to say, uh, please continue to pray for him. Amen. We all know that you make a move for God. You make a move forward. Uh, the enemy takes notice and tries to squelch that. Amen. So, uh, continue to, to provide a covering of prayer for him. Amen. We're so excited what God is doing in his life. Praise God. <coughs> Uh, Our scripture text will be found tonight in Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs chapter 13. We'll pick one verse out of there. Hopefully not at random. (coughs) Proverbs 13 and 12. It says this, Hope deferred maketh the heart sick, but when the desire cometh, it is a tree of life. Amen. And we'll speak for the, for the time that God gives me relevant words uh, on this topic. Disappointed. Disappointed. We've all, <laughs> by the end of the message, maybe uh, all of you will know what we're talking about tonight. <laughs> but all of us have experienced disappointment at one time or another. I've, I've no doubt of that. We've all experienced situations. We've, we've committed to a cause. We've, we've made plans. We, we had hopes and dreams. And we, we dedicated resources to that, time and energy. And we started pushing and moving forward toward those goals. And something happened or something didn't happen that causes it to fail. It causes us to come short. And we experienced disappointment, frustration. There's a poem I want to read, uh, authored by a, 
His name is Paul Lawrence Dunbar, and it is entitled, Disappointed. The poem goes like this. An old man planted and dug and tended, toiling in joy from dew to dew. The sun was kind, and the rain befriended. Fine grew his orchard and fair to view. Then he said, I will quiet my thrifty fears, for here is fruit for my failing years. But even then the storm clouds gathered, swallowing up the azure sky. The sweeping winds into white foam lathered, the placid breast of the bay hard by. Then the spirits that raged in the darkened air swept o'er his orchard and left it bare. The old man stood in the rain, uncaring, viewing the place the storm had swept, and then with a cry from his soul despairing, he bowed himself down to the earth and wept. Amen. Again, we all understand how that feels. The bitter pain of disappointment. We've all experienced that. Maybe it was circumstances that disappointed us. One circumstance or another conspired to see us fail, fall, fall short. Maybe it was the sound system that has consistently disappointed you. Amen. But we got a victory report on that. Amen. Sister DeMuth came with the full armor of God and she fought demons and devils, cast them out of this system. Amen. And God gave her the victory. <laughs> We got a full sound system again. Woohoo! <clears throat> and it will never disappoint us again. Maybe it was someone who disappointed us. And you know, the stranger on the street is, uh, at least in, in my experience, it's very hard for them to disappoint me because I really don't care. Uh, it's very hard for them to offend me because, again, I don't even know you. I don't care what you think about me. Uh, but when it's someone close to you, or perhaps someone that you really respect or reverence, they can disappoint us, can't they? And that hurts. Possibly we've disappointed ourselves. We've let ourselves down in one area or another. Or maybe we failed the one ourselves that we respect or reverence. Nothing hurts more. At least in my mind. Nothing bites more than knowing that I was the one that fell short. And someone else is going to pay the price for that. I think of King David when uh, he sinned and he numbered the people. And uh, God, through the prophet, gave him a choice. He said, I, I want to fall into the hands of God. Let it be the plague. I can't remember how many thousands of the nation of Israel were, were killed by the plague. And David was like, I was the one that sinned. These sheep didn't do anything. That's got to that's gotta be a bad place to be. Knowing that you were the one that fell short. Someone else is paying the price for it. 
we can disappoint ourselves. It's even possible that some of us had felt at one time or another that God has disappointed us. Now, I know that when we just come out and say it like that, it, it is like fingernails on a chalkboard. That, that's, that's just not right. No, God's never disappointed me. I've never felt like God has disappointed me. But we're going to explore that a little bit. And uh, maybe, maybe that rings true. But uh, it is possible to feel that way. We all know that God never disappoints us. I hope we know that, because He doesn't. We'll explore that as well. Disappointed by circumstances. I recall a time when I was a kid, and uh, I'll probably use a few personal references. I apologize, but they're just right on the tip of my tongue, and uh, I don't have to memorize them or research them. So, they're just right here. So anyway... I was a kid. My brother and I were kids, and, and we were going to get new bikes. I was excited because in the Sears catalog, I picked, I picked my bike out. It looked like a motorcycle. I'm sure it didn't drive or sound like it, but it looked like it, and it was awesome. It had like five gears on it, and... Uh, it had the brakes up here instead of here. And I was like, this is, this is going to be awesome. My friends will be so jealous. Scott, I don't know what he picked out, something dumb. But, but I got this one. I got this one. This was amazing. And time came, time came, time came. I had, that, I had a cutout. I was showing all my friends. They look at my new bike. This is my new bike. I'm going to get it. And then like a couple weeks before we were going to take delivery, they sold out. I was like, I didn't even know what to think. I was dumbfounded. What do you mean sold out? That's my bike. So I ended up with this banana seat swin. Big old handlebars, you know, yeah, ape hangers. Just, it was just awful. It was awful. I, maybe I still need therapy. Because uh, that really, that was very disappointing to me. I was very disappointed. So disappointed that I was not getting my bike. I told all my friends. I had the picture cut out. Everything. But it was not going to happen. It never happened. I'm still waiting on my bike. They don't make them anymore, I don't think. Maybe on eBay. Maybe you were looking for a particular promotion at work. Someone else got it. I've been there too. I was actually doing the job for six months. And then the time came to actually fill it, and they gave it to someone else. I was like, I don't understand. 
They have no experience. I have all experience. That was disappointing. People who have had great potential in sports get into debilitating accidents and can no longer play. Something that they, they've decided that this is what I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a baseball player, a football player, a tennis player, whatever, golf player. And they get hurt. And they can't play anymore. I can imagine the frustration and the disappointment that that would cause. What do I do now? This is who I was. Someone who really wants to live somewhere else. Somewhere warmer, colder, more temperate, drier, sunnier, whatever it might be. But we're here. And it's none of those things here. <laughs> I'm not looking at Brother DeMuth. I know you do. <laughs> this is God's country. There was a man in the Bible by the name of Jonah. And he was placed into a particular set of circumstances that he did not want to be in. God told him to go to Nineveh, preach to that city. And he said, fantastic. And he did a 180 and went somewhere else. The Tarsus. The opposite direction. He didn't want to be in that circumstance. I want to preach to my people. I want to stay right here and preach to the, the people of Israel. This is great. This, what i got going on is good. This is, this is fantastic. But God wanted him to do something else. God didn't seem very interested in what Jonah wanted. I... I wasn't there, I don't know for sure, but I, I read through the story and it I don't I don't see God asking Jonah's permission or asking, Well, what would you like to do then? God just doesn't seem to do that. He's never done it with me. I don't know if he's done it with you. He doesn't have to do that. Jonah was disappointed in the commandment of the Lord. We're disappointed by others. Has anyone ever disappointed you? How about parents? Parents disappoint us, don't they? Especially as we get older and we start realizing... They make mistakes. They're not superheroes. I remember the first time my dad told me, well, I, I don't know what to do here. What do you mean you don't know what to do? You always know what to do. That shattered my whole world view. Our parents, you know, when we're kids, they're, 
They're way up here and they, they do everything right and they know everything and that's just not true. We're we're our parents now and I know it's not true. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, we're just up here winging it. This seems like the right thing to do. This seems like the good thing. I don't know. Let's try this. Children disappoint us. Yeah. We know a child has a certain level of potential, and they don't want to measure up to that potential. That's a little disappointing. That's frustrating. You tell them and 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 you tell them to do something, clean their room, take the laundry out, take the garbage out. How can you forget that? I just told you that five minutes ago. I just, it's not really on our radar. How about a spouse? Spouses can disappoint us. Mine doesn't, but hers does. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> Not going anywhere close to that. <clears throat> you know, before you get married, you're just in love. Everything's perfect. I can't see anything wrong with her. She can't see anything wrong with me. We're in love. If there is anything wrong, it's okay. We're in love. Everything's going to be fine. And then she realizes, you know, I leave my clothes on the floor at night. I leave the toilet lid open. She starts seeing little itty-bitty flaws. And then a few months later, the flaws are bigger and more apparent. And a few years into it, she's like, is, is this the guy I married? Why didn't I see all of this stuff before? That's typical. That's normal. But it could be even worse than that. It could very much be a situation where that's not the person that I married. It could be a situation... Even worse than that, as a Christian, I prayed, I fasted, and I married this individual, and now they're not living for God anymore. How frustrating and disappointing would that be? Someone you respected or admired. A teacher. A parent. A minister. Has a minister ever disappointed you before? It's okay. We can be honest in the house of God. I know for a fact in some of your lives, minister has disappointed you. Something fierce. <clears throat> and 
when it's when someone that you trust and love and respect and admire betrays that trust ignorantly or willfully that's tough that's a hard spot to be in when that kind of an individual disappoints us hey let's be real folks we're living in a real world these things happen they have happened they're going to continue to happen And that hurts, and that creates a serious level of disappointment. Disappointed by self. Feel like you keep letting yourself down. Keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Not sure why. Maybe in the secular. I'll never get that promotion at work because I just I can't seem to be good enough. I can't seem to be qualified enough. In the spiritual, I'll never be used of God that way because I'm still struggling with fill in the blank. I still haven't overcome fill in the blank. Most of you know I just started a job. It's going well. But uh, I hate being the new guy. I can't stand it. And the reason I can't stand it is because I'm sitting there like an idiot not able to contribute. I'm collecting a paycheck from these guys and I feel like I'm just leeching. I'm just, I'm kind of baggage right now. I'm in the way. Every man loves to feel that way, right? Yeah, that's, a, that's way up there on our needs list. I want to feel like dead weight. <laughs> I hate it. So, what I do is I just jump in and make as many mistakes as possible, and I just, I just do everything I can as quick as I can, learn it all as quick as I can, and get up to speed. That wears me out. But it's better than feeling the frustration and, and the, the disappointment of feeling like I'm, I'm not good enough, I'm not... I'm not able to contribute. I can't stand that. I want to contribute. In fact, my best place to be is the guy that other people come to. Hey, how do we get this done? Oh, this is what you do. Okay. How, how do we do? This is what you, Okay. I like to be in that spot. I like to be, I like to know everything. I like to know the big picture all the way down to the minutia. And then I can feel like I'm valuable. Then I can feel like I'm contributing. And I, it does take time. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember that. But anyway, like I said, it's going good. It's going good. But uh, you can feel like you're a disappointment. Not only to others, but to yourself as well. Why can't I pick this up? Why can't I understand this? Why haven't I got this down already? Well, like someone said, maybe you just need to put a little time on it and it'll work out just fine. But we can get disappointed in ourselves. Now, 
disappointment by God. We all know that's wrong to think that way. It's kind of like being angry at God. I've heard, I've heard a sermon on how you need to forgive God. <clears throat> yeah, I had all kinds of problems with that. Forgive God. Does that mean I have to die on a cross to save His sins? I mean, do you know how stupid that sounds? How ridiculous that is? I don't need to forgive God of anything. But I understand what they're saying when they say that. You feel like God has wronged you and you're trying to resolve the situation. I'm going to be charitable and go with that. But me personally, just me personally, I have a serious problem with forgiving God. I do. And the reason for that is because God has never done anything to anyone that's, that needs to be forgiven. Period. But we can feel like God has wronged us and we're justified in, in being upset with that, that situation. We can also be in situations where we feel like God has disappointed us. Here's some examples I'm going to throw out. You prayed and fasted to God for an answer, and you didn't get one, or you think you didn't get one. You prayed for a healing for yourself or for someone else, and it never came. I think I've given you this example before. I was still pretty new in church. My mom had multiple sclerosis. She was bedridden. I felt like God would heal her if I just go into the room and anoint her with oil and pray for her. Well, I did that. I fasted and I prayed for three days. And then I went in, got a bottle of oil, I anointed her, prayed for her, and I got her up out of the bed. And I was expecting she was going to walk. And nothing happened. Nothing. And that, that stunted me for a little while. I had to, <laughs> I had to work through that. To get some understanding, maybe a little bit more wisdom, but uh, I don't blame God for that. I didn't blame God for that. I thought I'm not understanding something here. I got something wrong. But we can we can feel like God let us down there. But your word says you promised. And nothing happened. Prayed for an unsaved loved one. And they died. They died not knowing God. Why didn't God do something? Folks, God loves your unsaved loved one a whole lot more than you do. You've got to understand that. You have to understand that. And if they died without knowing God, ultimately, of course, that's between them and God. 
I can't put them anywhere and neither can you. Only God can do that. But I have to believe that through me or through you, they had plenty of opportunity to come to the Lord. It's their choice. Not God's. We've already used the marrying a spouse. You raised your children right. You took them to church every, every service. You taught them the Word of the Lord. You prayed for them. You exampled Jesus before them. And they're not living for God today. God's Word says, if I train up a child in the way they should go when they're older, they won't depart from it. Free moral agency. How many people did Jesus win? At the end of the day, folks, we can expect things from God that God doesn't deign to deliver. We can pray for things and God can tell us no. And we get disappointed from that. Say what you will. Be all spiritual. That disappoints us. That can frustrate us. Even confuse us a little bit. The source of disappointment. Do you know what the source of disappointment is? It's where what I want conflicts with what God wants. That's the source of disappointment every time. If I would simply want what God wants all the time, I would never be disappointed. Not in myself, not in others, and most certainly not in God. Do you think God has ever been disappointed? I should say so. How about the children of Israel during the Exodus? Children of Israel during the times of the judges. Children of Israel during the times of the kings. Children of Israel during Jesus' day. How about the church today? That definition of disappointment works both ways. When we're disappointed and when God's disappointed. Either way, it's a divergence between our will and God's will. If the two line up, no one's disappointed. But if at any point they diverge, there's going to be disappointment. 
God may be disappointed in us. We may be disappointed in God. But nevertheless, it's based on God's will, not ours. We line up with His will, not the other way around. When we line up with God's will, every single time, we will not be disappointed. So how does that work? When I submit myself to the will and plan of God, I say, not my will, but thy will be done. Even when it's something I don't want to do, even when it leads me down a hard, difficult path, it brings me somewhere you weren't even looking at. God's will is always the best plan for my life, for your life. Always. Every single time. This is the best life that we could possibly live. Is living for God. Doing His will. Doing things His way. That's always the best way to do things. That's always the most fulfilling, the most wonderful life possible. Anything other than that is something less than what God wants for me. If at any point I diverge from that, I'm living a lesser life. I'm losing some of the benefits, the blessings that were awaiting me, that God had in store for me, if I would have just followed His plan. So when I have a divergence of wills, God wants me to do this, I want to do that. I have learned through hard experience. I'm going to do God's will. I don't care. I don't care if it's something I hate. I don't care if it's something I, I would rather not do or somewhere I'd rather not go. I don't care. Because that's a whole lot easier than that. I've done that. We've done that. North Carolina. I don't want to do that again. Mm-mm. Felt like uh, Ruth's mother-in-law. Naomi. Felt like Naomi. Went on full, came back empty. That's exactly what it was. Exactly what it was. No way I'm going to do that again. I'm following God. I don't have to think about it anymore, Bishop. I just, I don't have to weigh out the pros and cons. I don't have to plug everything into his spreadsheet. Nope. I, I know this is what God wants. That's what we're doing. I don't know how it's going to happen, but that's, that's the direction we're headed. Because that's the easiest, best life. Anything else is hard, difficult. That will lead to disappointment. One guy said, how do you avoid disappointment? Don't ever expect anything. You'll never be disappointed. I didn't find that in Scripture. But I did find these. Romans 10.11 
We'll read a few uh, verses from the NASB version. Romans 10 and 11 says, For the Scripture says, Whosoever believes in Him will not be disappointed. Romans 5.5 5 says, Hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Psalm 22 and 5 says, To you they cried out and were delivered. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. We'll look at uh, some others, but just to start here. When our faith and our trust is in God, when we're looking to Him for direction, for guidance, for deliverance, for anything that we have need of, we will not ever be disappointed. When I start looking to myself, when I start looking to my old buddy Frank, when I start looking to Uncle Alfred, for advice on, on what I should do. I'm probably going to end up somewhere else. Somewhere outside of the will and plan of God. Somewhere where frustration and disappointment waits for me. Folks, haven't we been disappointed enough? Haven't we been frustrated enough in our lives? I have. I'm all full up with frustration. I'm over full with disappointment. I don't need any more. I don't have to go searching for it. I don't need to stock up for a rainy day. I'm done. I don't want to be frustrated anymore. I don't want to be disappointed. I'm going to look to God from this point forward. I'm going to look to Him for direction. I'm going to look to Him for the plan. What's the plan, God? What do you want me to do? Where do you want me to go? And that's what we do. Because that's always the best. I might think that my plan is pretty good. We really wanted to get down to North Carolina. And we had all, all good reasons. A great church. A great pastor. Great friends. What's not to like? Well, the only thing was it wasn't the will of God. Turns out that made all the difference. Scriptures to combat disappointment. Jeremiah 29.11 We all know this one. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. We might be momentarily frustrated by where we find ourselves, even if we are following the will and plan of God. But keep trusting in God because it's His desire to perfect you and to work powerfully through you. Again, when He leads us through dark, difficult paths, lonely paths, it really, it really all boils down to a relationship with God. I can't trust Him if I don't know Him. I can't trust someone I don't know. I mean, that just makes sense, right? I want to trust you. But I don't know you. I, I don't know if I can or not. Let's try something small and see where that takes us. But if I have an ongoing relationship, if I know Him intimately, we've had experiences before. I can trust Him. I know Him. I know that wherever He leads me is the very best for me. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't have to seem like it. 
It is. It doesn't have to feel like it. It is. It is because that's where God has me right now. That's where God has led me. He's not going to lead me somewhere dumb. He's not going to lead me somewhere to destroy me. He doesn't have to be all smooth and, and, and silky with that. He can just snap his fingers or blow the nostrils of his breath of his nostrils and I'm done. I'm dead. He doesn't have to go through this grand elaborate scheme to get rid of me. He can just will me dead. But that's not what he wants, folks. He wants to bless us. He wants to perfect us. He wants to, he wants to lead us on unto perfection. And human beings, being who they are, that's where we learn the best. It's those lonely, hard paths. That's where we grow the most. I don't grow on easy street. I don't grow on the straight, wide path. Going on a ruck march, if I had a zero-pound pack on my back and tennis shoes and just walking pants and a t-shirt, walking down the road, I'm not going to get any stronger with that. Got a 100-pound ruck, got the M60, got my combat boots on, walking up a dirt hill. Now I'm going to get strong. But the other one's more fun. That's a lot easier. It's kind of like uh, uh, in the 82nd. They had what they called Hollywood jumps. And these were, you, you go way up high. For us, that was 1,500 feet. And you didn't, have a, you didn't have a ruck. You didn't have a weapon. All you had is a, a parachute. That's it. And you got plenty of air time. There weren't that many jumpers. You could just float there for a while. It was beautiful. I had four of those. The first four jumps I had in, in uh, Fort Benning. After that, it was all nighttime jumps, full gear, and like 150 people in the air. It's good times. It wasn't fun anymore. By the time I got everything done, I was on the ground, avoiding everyone else. But that was where we got better at it. The Hollywood, we didn't learn anything there except how to float in the air. We learned how to do combat jumps the other way. So when God leads you somewhere that you'd rather not be, just remember, God loves me. I trust Him. This is where I need to be right now. Amen. John 14:27 says, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid." But I do get troubled. And sometimes I am afraid. Why is that though? My troubled spirit and my fear is contrary to Scripture. Have I placed my faith and my confidence in something or someone other than God? If my faith and confidence is in God, 
I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be troubled. I will be at peace. I will have peace in my spirit, even though the world is raging around me. Don't get all worked up because you're somewhere you don't want to be. Or you're going through something you'd rather not go through. Because you're not yet who you'd like to be. You are not yet who God wants you to be. And God is trying to get us there. Amen. I so desperately want to be like Him. I so desperately want to effectually and powerfully reflect His image in this world. But that's the only way I can get there. Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Your desired end, what you really, truly desire, lies at the other end of complete submission to Jesus Christ. We say we want all kinds of things, but as a biblical Christian, the desire of our heart, the one true desire of our heart, ought to be, I want to be like Him. I want to serve and please Him with my life, with my decisions, with my thoughts, with everything. One of my favorite scriptures is when Jesus says, I do always those things that please Him. What a statement. That would be awesome. I want it. That's what I want to be. To do always those things that please Him. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Has God started a work in your life? If you've received the Holy Ghost, if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, He started a work in you. And He will finish what He starts. He doesn't ever leave anything half finished. Psalm 18 and 6 says, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God, He heard my voice out of His temple, and my cry came before Him, even into His ears. When we are in distress, when we are frustrated, when we feel disappointed, bring that to God. Bring it to the Lord. He'll hear you. He'll listen to your cry. And when He hears us, He'll get us all sorted out. Amen. Psalm 118, 5 and 6 says, I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? And once God does get us sorted out, once we're on the same page as Jesus is, we can get to a place of complete faith and confidence in God even boldness in God. When we know we're on the same page as Jesus, when we know we stand before Him justified, I'm in the presence of God and I'm right with Him. 
I may not be right with anyone else, but I know, I'm confident that I'm right with my God. Folks, that gives a holy boldness. That gives a confidence that nothing else could ever bring. Amen. Now my frustrations and my disappointments are gone. I'm in a large place. The Lord is on my side. Well, God didn't change sides. I got to get over on His side. I got to move over to where He's at. When we're talking about getting on the same page as God, I need to move over to where He's at. He doesn't ever need to move over to me. Because who knows if I'm right or not. I know God's right. I'm going to move over to where He's at. I'm going to do what He's doing. Matthew 6, 33 and 34. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. When I put God first in my life, when I submit my will to God's will, I can expect to receive the very best from Him. And our perspective may need to change because God's very best might be that hard, lonely road. That might be God's best for me right now. Can I trust Him with that? Can I trust that wherever God places me today, that that's where I need to be today? Folks, I hope we can trust God. I hope we can put our confidence in Him wherever He leads us. That's where we need to be. Disappointment. Like a lot of other things, doesn't ever have to be part of our lives. It has been. But it doesn't have to be. Well, how about when someone else disappoints? How about when someone else lets me down? Fails me? That has happened to all of us and probably will happen again. Because we're all human beings. But see, here's the thing I need to always remember. I've failed people too. I've let people down too. Just like people have let me down. I think all of us would do everyone a whole lot of good if we just extend a little bit of grace, a little bit of mercy, a little bit of patience with others. The same mercy I want from you when I fail you. It always goes both ways. And when someone does fail us, when someone does let us down, understand, my faith isn't in that individual. I did respect him. I did reverence him or her. My faith and confidence is in God. He's the one I'm following. He's the one I'm submitted to. I'm, 
I'm sad that, that this is going on right now. I, I'm, I'm sorrowful that this situation is, is here right now. But I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to do what I can to minister to him. And I can do that. I can do that. And I can be transparent. And I can be vulnerable with people. Because God loves me. And God wants the very best for me. And for this individual too. God hasn't kicked this guy to the curb just because he let me down. God still loves him. He still has a plan for this this person's life. So why can't I be God's ambassador, His representative, and extend the, the, the individual, man or woman, a little love, a little mercy, a little compassion? Because he offended me, he hurt me, he wounded me, he let me down. Well, yeah, that's true. He did. But does that have to affect me? Do I have to be offended? Do I have to be hurt and wounded? I don't have to be. I don't need to be. Again, I can be perfectly transparent and vulnerable here. I can love that individual freely. I can love him uh, unconditionally. No matter what he does or doesn't do. I can love him unconditionally because God loves me. And because he loves me, because he loves you, I can, I can extend that love to others. I can even extend that love to myself. If Jesus loves me, I'm okay loving me too. Again, not narcissistically, but biblically. I need to love my neighbor how? As I love myself. There it is. It's okay to love yourself. Jesus does. He creates some pretty awesome things. He creates awesome people. We don't have to experience these things the, the way that we have in the past. And I'm talking about all of us. I've, I've, I've been hurt. I have, I've had to work through these things too. So I know what it's like, but I didn't have to. I didn't, have to, I didn't ever have to feel that way. How awesome is that? When God hung on a cross, was He planning vengeance? His own people had betrayed Him. The ultimate betrayal. All He did was good. All He did was want to minister to them. To gather them together as a, a brood does her, her head and does her broods. That's it. He loved them. He did everything He could to minister to them. To lead them into truth. And what did He get for His trouble? Ridicule, rejection, death. But as He hung on the cross, He said, forgive them. Forgive them. 
he wasn't wounded inside. He wasn't hurt inside. He was, he was saddened by it, I have no doubt. But he still loved them. He still went through with it. He didn't say, this is stupid. I'm not doing this for them. Get up off the cross and start judging. Didn't happen. He went through with it anyway. Because He loved them. I didn't read the whole poem. I'll read the whole poem now. An old man planted and dug and tended, toiling in joy from dew to dew. The sun was kind and the rain befriended. Fine grew his orchard, orchard and fair to view. Then he said, I will quiet my thrifty fears, for here is fruit for my failing years. But even then the storm clouds gathered, swallowing up the azure sky. The sweeping winds into white foam lathered the placid breast of the bay hard by. Then the spirits that raged in the darkened air swept o'er his orchard and left it bare. The old man stood in the rain, uncaring, viewing the place the storm had swept. And then with a cry from his soul despairing, he bowed him down to the earth and wept. But a voice cried aloud from the driving rain, Arise, old man, and plant again. Amen. When you feel like someone has let you down, you've let yourself down, God has let you down, in the worst possible scenario you can imagine, there is restitution. There is forgiveness on both sides. There is uh, there's a place to return to. God wants you back in the fight. He wants you back on the path, walking with Him. Get up. Do it again. Try again. Keep moving forward. God is on our side. It's God's perfect will for you to have victory. Not only in everything that you're facing in a momentary circumstance, but your life long. To live a life of victorious living. To live a life where you are You are a success. You are a victor in what God has designed you to do. What He's called you to do. We may never be a success by their standards. But that's not what we're, that's not what we're measuring ourselves by anyway. This is what we're measuring ourselves by. The standard that Jesus has set for us is, is how we measure ourselves. And if we can measure up to that with the help of God, through the Holy Ghost, folks, you are a success. You are a success in every measure. And when we stand before God and we hear Him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We made it. We succeeded. Amen. That's what we live for. Trust in God. Wherever God has placed you, wherever, whatever path God has you on in the moment. Trust God that that's the best place for you. Submit yourself wholly and completely to the will of God in your lives. And disappointment goes away. 
Amen. Let's all stand. Lord Jesus, I'm so thankful for You, for Your presence in this place this evening. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, that through You, through You, we don't have to experience disappointment. We will suffer setbacks. We will face hard circumstances and situations. Perhaps things that we don't understand. People will let us down. But we don't have to be hurt or wounded or, 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 or feel those feelings of frustration. We can respond Christ-like. We can respond in ministry. We can respond in love and compassion. Because that's how You respond to us. Thank You, Jesus, for giving us a new spirit, a new heart. Help us, Lord Jesus, to reflect Your image in all that we do, all that we say, all that we think. Bring us back to this house at the day appointed and these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your kind attention. You are